Luke chapter number 7, and uh, again in verse number 19. The Bible said, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? That's startling when you realize already the connection that John has had to Jesus in baptizing him, seeing the dove descend. And when the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist, John Baptist, has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in the same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you've seen and heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that are gorgeously appareled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, much more than a prophet. This is he. Of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For I say unto you, Among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, that he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Verse 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking water, and ye say, He hath a devil. Now, let's turn over and read another passage of Scripture in John chapter number 3, and uh, the Gospel of John chapter number 3 and verse number 26. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, Behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. I want to preach tonight for just a few moments on this subject, Big Bad John. Big Bad John. Now, I don't want you to think that I am stretching the title because the title is my sermon. I simply want to take those three words, Big Bad John. 
First of all, I want to say unto you, John is big. Now, I know we have a lot of ideas about who's big and what's big in our day. In our own opinions, we begin to measure things among ourselves and declare what we think is great or greater. But John the Baptist is big for three reasons. First of all, I say to you, John's big in his connections. You'll have to agree. Jesus said unto his disciples, Who do men say that I am? <laughs> they said, Well, first thing everybody's thinking is you're John. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but if a fellow gets to acting and living so much, so that folks think he's like Jesus, he's big. He's big. And then... The Bible said he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. <laughs> Honey, that's running with the big dogs, I'll tell you. He is big in his connections. He is big in his calling. They came to him one day and they said, Hey, preacher John, you know, you used to have big congregation. Everybody was following you. Remember, we couldn't hardly get down to the river because of the crowd. But you baptized a fellow here one day, called himself Jesus, but I've noticed that now all the crowds are up there and you don't have anybody down here. Now he said, well, I've got one thing to say to you. I ain't the Christ. And my only reason for being in this world is that I must decrease so he must increase. Now, honey, I'm going to tell you something. You're pretty big when your message is bigger than you. Ah, oh, he said, I'm not here to be bigger than Jesus. I'm here to fade out and fade away. I'm trying to get littler and littler. I tell you, the biggest problem with most of us preachers is we're too big. We want to be big. We're seeking to be big. And as a result of that, Jesus has become small in the sight of men because they're seeing us. John's big. Any man that can decrease so small that his Lord becomes so big, that's a big preacher to me. He's big in his connections. He's big in his calling. He said, I want to become less than my message. But, again, I don't want you to think I'm stretching it. He's big in his comparison. Now, you may call some folks big. I may call some folks big. I remember being with a preacher that weighed about 400 pounds one time. He said to me, he said, Preacher, said, I went to the doctor the other day about my weight and said, uh, you know them charts they got in there that tell you about how tall you're supposed to be and how much you're supposed to weigh? And I said, yeah, and I thought he was being serious. He said, according to them charts, I should be nine foot and nine inches tall. Well, I, I'll, I'll show you that is big. We've all got our 
ideas about what is big. But I'm going to tell you, John's big in his connections. He's big in his calling, but he's big in his comparison. I didn't say he's big. Jesus said he's big. Now, honey, you don't have to run around worrying about what everybody else thinks about you. It's what Jesus thinks about you. And when they, ever back, when they went on back and Jesus got the audience of the crowd, he said, I'm going to tell you about the biggest man I know. Jesus said he's big. It's all in a matter of who you want to be big for. John was big for Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, if Jesus says you're big, you don't have to act. You don't even have to lift weights. You don't have to be muscle-bound. You're big because Jesus says you're big. John is big. Thank God. But I'm preaching on big, bad John. <laughs> John is bad. Well, look what they said in verse 33. Jesus said it. He said, John, the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say, he hath a devil. <laughs> you can hear some of them talk. They say, yeah, you know, John, he's a good fellow. But I, I tell you, I just don't like his taste. He's one of them... Uh, Locusts and, wild, locusts and wild honey boys. I just don't know so much about him. I don't care much for his taste. Well, I don't want to surprise you with this, but the more that you become big in Jesus' sight and the more you walk with him, the more this world's going to get a bitter taste in their mouth for you. When you've got a hunger and you've got a thirst not after religion... And not after the things of this world. You've got a hunger for Jesus. I want you to know you'll leave a bad taste in some folks' mouth. I said, hey, this don't taste right to me. I don't like his flavor. <laughs> He's bad in his taste. He's bad in his temperament. And here's some of them say, well, my goodness, I, he's all right, but you know, I brought a bunch of my friends from up at the church down, down there where he's baptizing. And he called them snakes and hypocrites and, and everything else. Never was so embarrassed in all my life. I don't believe I ever invite anybody else to church. <laughs> he's bad. He's awful bad to talk about Jesus. He's awful bad to tell the truth. Yeah, he's bad to some folks. He's bad to Herod. He's bad to Herodias. He's bad to the Pharisees. He's bad to the Sadducees and the scribes. He's bad to the doctors and lawyers. He's bad business. You often wonder how much preaching we could really stand. Huh? I'm going to tell you, honey, if old John was here tonight, <laughs> it'd be bad. <laughs> he wouldn't cut no corners. Honey, he'd boil religion down to nothing. It'd be a bad situation. <laughs> I ain't as bad as John, huh? <laughs> 
I want you to know he's big. He's bad. He's big and he's bad, but but he's just John. Let me point out three things about John that I like. First of all, I see his honesty. Again, they came to John and they said, Are, are you the Christ? Why? He said, No. I'm, I'm just John. That's all. I, I'm just John. How careful we got to be in the Christian life to realize and let others realize we're just who we are. And that's all that we are. Oh, how honest he is and how quick to be honest. He's just John. The reason why we're let down so much as far as preachers are concerned and even in ourselves is we begin to see them beyond who they are. He's just John. I tell you, John had the feelings just like you and I have feelings. John lived just like you and I lived. John was flesh and blood just like you and I are. He's just John. That's all he is. At our best, we're just who we are, used of God. And he's honest about it. He didn't put out this big old front out there on how much he prays and how much he fasts and how much he knows God and how great he is and who he's been running with and how much time he spent with Jesus and who he baptized. When they came to him, he said, the bottom line is, you're looking at John. And honey, I don't care how big the preacher is, where it comes from, who you are, anybody else. The bottom line is, you're just you. And you'd be a whole lot better off if you confess it. Low down as hell itself without the grace of God. And ought to be there. He's honest about it. But no, I'm just John. <laughs> I'm just John. Thank God. You know, I read a little phrase here of a Dr. Bonar, and he said he could tell when a Christian was growing because that in proportion to his growth in grace, he would elevate his master. Talk less of what he himself was doing and become smaller and smaller in his own esteem until like the morning star, he faded away before the rising of the sun. He's honest. <laughs> it embarrasses some of us to let folks know that we don't know as much as Jesus does. We think we have to know all the biblical answers and all the theories and all of these other things and our lives have to be just like this. I've, I run into people and I find myself so much under the pressure of thinking I've got to be this, this, and this before the eyes of the people because if they ever found out I was that, that, and that, they may not like me. <laughs> but John said, I'm just John. That's all I am. You like me? I'm just John. <laughs> he's honest about it. He's just John. That's all. He's just John. That's just John. But I like his humility. 
I like John in his honesty. I like John in his humility. My friend, this old boy has known what it's like to walk with God and the great ministry that he had down at the Jordan and he didn't have the privilege of baptizing Jesus and seeing the power of God descend like a dove upon him. That put a name on this old boy. He's known far and wide. Everybody from the king to the pauper knows John. And they know he's he's baptized Jesus and he's had all of this great working and all this great success. But you know what happened? He sat down there in jail and because he was just John, his old flesh began to work on him. Just like ours does. We do pretty good out here. Oh, boy, we can shine here, get back to the motel, and the old flesh starts to work in the, to the house. Gets to working on him. The old flesh gets to working on him, the old devil, and says, John, you know, you've wasted your life. Look at you, how young you are. He must have been telling him that. And he said, you know what? I know what you think you saw as far as the dove was concerned, and I know who you think you baptized, but really, that could, you could be mistaken. You know, if I'd been John, I'd have been so proud, I'd have kept that to myself. Can you imagine what church folks would think of me if they found out I was doubting that? you imagine what the folks, the brethren, would think if they found out that I was having problems believing that? <laughs> but old John, in his humility, called two of his disciples over there, the ones that he had been teaching. Hey, he'd done pointing them to him. And now, in his humility, he says, Boys, I want you to do something for me. He said, John, whatever you want, that's what, what I'll do. Well, he said, you know the fellow I baptized? He said, yeah, yeah, you talked about Jesus. He said, would you go ask him if he really is the Christ? Well, oh, can you feel the heart of John? And these old boys have to head out. And I can see the section of head because they ain't have any doubts in their sense. <laughs> That's all he's ever preached about. He baptized him. He's pointed us to him. Now he's wanting us to go ask. Well, let's go see. We'll go ask. And they go to Jesus and ask him. <laughs> they interrupt the service. Big service going on. Excuse me, Jesus. But John sent us. He said, the reason why he sent him is he wanted to find out if he was really the Christ. You know, there are a lot of things that keep me from being too harsh. But I can remember back in 1985, I, this is a young person, I had all my ducks in the row. I mean, I thought I had it. I ain't been long ago. And uh, there's a family in my church, and her husband uh, committed suicide. He was a man of God. Many preachers called out from under him. I, I couldn't understand that, but somehow it didn't shake me. That had been 
several years before that, but I thought that family had had all that family could stand. I knew God had worked and, and done his work, but it was over with. Now it's going to be smooth sailing down out. This happened to be my sister-in-law. And when I came into the family, they had a, little, a, a young boy, Jonathan. He's 12 years old. Didn't have a daddy now. And so as a young fellow and young preacher, I just kind of played basketball with him and football with him and hung around with him and, and uh, you know, just uh, enjoyed it. But I'll never forget, in 1985, I went to the telephone it had rung and, and uh, I answered it and my mother-in-law gave me the most horrifying words that I'd ever heard in my life. She said, Jonathan is dead. And I said, what do you mean? And she began to tell how he had drove home early that morning from work, worked at Food Line, and, and he had went to sleep and run off the road and, you know, the rest of the story. Now, I can't tell you why. I can't pinpoint it. But I want you to know that I dropped into the awfulest, dark, blackness that I'd ever been in in my life. And I began one by one to doubt every single thing that I'd ever even believed while I was yet preaching. I came to the place to where I even doubted if there was a God. I tell you the truth, you find how I know. And I want to tell you something, friend. I don't have no problem associating with John. Sending after Jesus and finding out that very him. <laughs> I mean, I'd already been saved and already been preaching for several years. And now here I am wondering if everything I preach is right or wrong. Because all I was was God. But you know what? I found that most folks hate perfect people anyway. I do. I can't stand being around a perfect person. I know there's not any in reality, but when I get around a person that's got it perfect, I don't like them. I can't help it. I said, Lord, help me like this person. I don't like them. They just look perfect. We strive so hard to portray this, this picture because we think being everybody like us. But honey, when you're at your best, you've got fewer people that like you. You mark it down. The thing that I like about the Bible is, you know, there's... I, I preach a message sometimes on relating to reality. You know, I love to preach on John the Baptist praying the fire down out, or Elijah praying the fire down and lick it up the water and burn up the altar and all that, but I can't relate to that. But I can relate to him up there in the cave feeling so bad in the prayer. <laughs> I love to preach about the Apostle Paul and his great feats and spreading the gospel. I can't relate to that, but I sure can relate to him and Barnabas getting into it. <laughs> My favorite passage. <laughs> I 
because they're all just men. And in their imperfections, I associate with them. And it is, he was so humble that he called these men and said, Go and find out for me. He's desperate in soul and in his darkest hour. <laughs> I'll tell you, son, every now and then God will knock the bottom out from you so you can really go to searching and see if that's really him or not. <laughs> It'll be more than just a little shallow religion, honey. Your soul would desire to know him. You'll want to stand and preach again with authority in your soul and say, I know it so. <laughs> Before John left this world, he wanted to be able to say, I know that. He said, go get him. Go get him. Go sit that here. <laughs> I'm talking about big, bad John. He's John in his honesty and in his humility. But I'm going to tell you something. He's John. He has been honored. Now, I'm going to close with this, but I want you to say, this blesses me to death. <laughs> A lot of us think that when we're down and when we're weak that Jesus is going to cast us aside or he's going to scorn us or get mad at us, honey. He knows who you are. Them religious fronts he don't like. Now notice. And verse number 20, when the men were come to him, they said, John the Baptist said in front of these saying, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? <laughs> Jesus could have said, My goodness, what's wrong with him? How many times have I preached that sermon? And he ought to know that by now. But look what in verse 21 he did. And in the same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and to many that were blind, he gave sight. And after he got done, he said, Now, you go tell John what you saw and that I am him. Now Jesus performed many a miracle in his ministry here. <laughs> but this is what blesses me. <laughs> oh, John's locked up in the dark dungeon. He come and said, Lord, uh, he wants to know if that's you or not. And Jesus calls everything and he walks over and he raises somebody from the dead, and he gives somebody sight, and he lets somebody hear. <laughs> and you say, well, why did he do that? There's only one reason why he did that. He did it just for John. Honey, there were people who were resurrected and touched and given sight just for John. Said, I'm doing it just for John. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can never get a grip of what God's doing, and many times He's done just for you. I imagine there are times He'll send somebody from the portals of glory, an angel or something, to do something, and maybe the angel will wonder why, and He said, I'm just doing it for Dan. That's all. It don't have to have a reason. Don't have to have a I'm just doing it for John. Excuse me. I want to do something for John. Huh? <laughs> 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 I'm so glad when Jesus just wants to do something for you. 
in the midst of your doubts and your heartaches and your pains and your suffering. God moves the back and said, I'm on a door that gone. I'll do it or die. <laughs> Woo! Honey, he ain't gonna shortchange you. He ain't gonna leave his servant over there in that old cold place and die. He said, I'm gonna do it just as God. <laughs> I want to give you an illustration in close. In my life, and, and I know you can point out sometimes when Jesus has done some things and you just know he done it just for you. Only reason on earth it happened had to be for you. It didn't have to have no, have no big theological reason behind it, no eternity things about it. It's just for you. I had several things that happened, has happened to me that I didn't even really pray about. I just had it in my heart that I'd like to have it so. And when it happened, I've had the Holy Ghost say, now it's just for you. I had a little old lady in my church. Miss Smith is the name. She's still living. And she got down sick bad in the hospital. Sweet as she could be. Now I remember the night, I, there were circumstances about it that had me upset. Circumstances about the family and things like that. You know, you know, sad to say, sometimes when old folks get old, some of us youngers would like to just hurry a man out. You know, and save us a whole lot of trouble and we say, well, you know, they'd be better off. And, and maybe they would, but sometimes I, I just felt like this is one of those occasions where it was just going, you know. And she'd gotten down so low, I remember the doctor standing outside the door one night about 7 o'clock, and her son was there, and the doctor looked at her son in the eye and said, Well, uh, if you've if got any plans that need to be made, you need to start right now. Because he said her blood pressure's bottomed out, her kidneys had stopped, and he said her functions, the functions of her system I just shut him down. I said, we, we do not, I cannot see how she'll make it through the night. And it, it hit me heavy in the heart. I, I don't know why, why it was different. And I, I turned and I walked down that hall a little ways and I, and I turned and I walked back and I'm telling you, God's been my witness. The Holy Ghost said to me, son, you want her to live? And I said, Lord, you, you talking to me about her living? I'm telling you, I talked to him just like this. He said, yeah, but he said, why don't you just ask I, I felt such an urge to ask him. It was just like it was just fast. And I said, Lord, <laughs> let her live. By the next morning, they had everything just all from us. That evening, she went home. And the next week, she's digging potatoes. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> My son lives down in Hickory, and they got one of them retirement centers, honey. She's down there buzzing like a saw. And every time I go, she's talking about whoever she's witnessing to and praying for and everything like that. She never had the energy in the years I passed her. But what she's got now, she bounces as she goes. 
Never time of holy day, the Holy Ghost says just for John. <laughs> Woo! I'm here to tell you, friend, he's done a lot just for Daniel. Now, I'm glad for what he does for you. I like what he does just for John, don't you? He's big. He's bad. But he's just John. <laughs> 